Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Tampa Bay Buccaneers from the 48-yard line. Second down, 13. Brady lobbed one downfield. Caught ball by Gronkowski. Inside the 20 to the 15-10. Gronkowski to the 5 to the 4-yard line. Holy <laughs> There's the snap. Mahomes running to his right. Look out. He may run. Mahomes. No, throw the end down. Battle intercepted. Picked off in the end zone. Bucks are going to beat the Chiefs. We're the champions of the world, and we still have a minute 33 to go. Devin White. This is the big nasty. Yeah, big nasty. All big Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. This is Mike Allstott, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother. You ain't listening, and you're missing out. Woo! And there the cannons go. Cannon. Fire them. Yeah. Keep on firing them. Keep on firing them. It is the midweek mailbag edition of the Cannon Fire podcast. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Live on YouTube today for episode 233. I'm your host, as always, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host, the Philly Bucks fan himself, Mr. Evan Wanished. And we are joined by a very special guest, first-time guest of the pod today, an OG of the Buccaneers podcast beat. Ladies and gentlemen, our good friend Gene from Buck, what you heard. How you doing, buddy? Man, I am thankful to have be on here with you guys, man. Thanks for having me on. Uh, love the show. You guys have great content. Thanks so much, man. It's It's been a long time coming. I think it's been long overdue that, you know, this collaboration came down, but I'm glad we're able to make it happen today. Plenty of great topics we'll talk about, of course, all the latest Buccaneer news, and, uh, of course, your submitted questions as well as it is the midweek mailbag edition of the show. Check it on the live chat really quickly before we go any further. Our buddy Tony Saylor, a.k.a. Tony Baloney says, when I see Brady throwing the trophy, it reminds me of how James could throw Evan through a table. You like that? Huh? <laughs> oh, he didn't say he didn't say through a table. He didn't You're say through implying, a table. I had to add it at the end. You're implying but... the table part, but that's he's seen both of us. Does he really think James could pick me up? Does he seriously <laughs> think James could pick me up? There's just no way. Victor Madden, John Samuelson, go Bucks, go Bolts, hanging out in Germany. By the way, speaking of Bucks news, let's talk about that. I don't know if you guys saw, but it is confirmed. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers will play their first franchise game in Germany next year. How about that? The NFL with their new uh, their oh, international yes. game initiative. We're going to see all sorts of games. I think like the Rams are playing in China. Seahawks are playing up in Canada. And then, of course, the Buccaneers in old Deutschland. It should be a good one, I'm thinking, right? I'm excited, man. I love Germany. I think <laughs> if you get a chance to go, it's it, there's nothing like it. You know, let's take a look at where we are in the season. Gentlemen, believe it or not, we are in the final four-game stretch of the biggest NFL season of all time. The Buccaneers, what they have left on the slate, three big division games, and then uh, another football team coming down from New York that they get to beat up on, so that should be fun to watch. But, you know, before we get into a lot of the questions we had today, I did a, a couple of topics I wanted to get your guys' opinions on, and uh, I, I think something that should act is some positive reinforcement before this final playoff uh, playoff push for Tampa Bay. What I wanted to talk about is essentially what the Bucs have done well and what they've done well consistently over this past season and a half. I guess what a lot of people would refer to as the Tom Brady era. But, you know, the playoffs are coming. 
defending Super Bowl champions. Pressure is high. I just wanted to take a minute and, and give this team some praise because, you know, I think it's important every now and again to take a step back, look at the bigger picture, and uh, try and calm some people down, especially the uh, the cesspool that is Twitter this time of year. People are <laughs> people are pretty upset at the Bucks right now, and you wouldn't think so considering they are a 10-3 football team. What do you think, Gene? Uh, you know what? The, the box score coaches, you know, you just got to kind of ignore them. You just kind of put them to the side. And uh, in, a, in, a, in the grand scheme, you have to look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and think about these games one by one. Would they have won this game three years ago, two years ago? Or I should say three, yeah, two years, three years ago. Uh, 2019, 2017, are, are, are the Bucs winning some of these games? These are games that they've gone out and won. And all they're doing is winning. And that's what you have to kind of keep in perspective right here is these are games that the Bucs need to win. The, the game against the Bills, the Bucs needed this game to stay, in, to, to stay in with the Cardinals, to stay in with Green Bay. They went out and they won. Regardless of how they won, at the end of the day, you've got a W in that column and they're on to the next game. So that's kind of how you have to look at this. And, and I think a lot of people are missing that in that, oh, well, they didn't do this or they didn't do this. But no, they went out and won the game. They may have played good in the first half, you know, not done so good in the second half. But when it came time down to it, they won the game. So to me, I'm enjoying the ride. I've been enjoying the ride. All these wins versus, loss, you know, the number of losses. I'm enjoying this, and I'm going to continue to enjoy this throughout the season. Yeah, I mean, especially with – you know, having Tom Brady as your quarterback, you know, it's not going to be forever, right? You're not going to have Tom Brady as New England did for 20 years. So really cherish these moments. And uh, I, you know, I kept telling everybody after the Super Bowl to cherish it. Well, you know, you shouldn't be just cherishing that. Cherish this whole year. Cherish next year, you know, since I believe Brady's coming back next year. Cherish this era because, you know, I think Pewter Report said in an article late earlier this week, it's just, you know, maybe the Bucs do have success after Brady, but there's not going to be another quarterback like Tom Brady. It's just, it's not going to happen. You're not going to see that type of quarterback ever again. Um, so, yeah, just, I mean, enjoy it, right? They're, they're 10 and three. The only other time they were 10 and three was the year they went to the Super Bowl and won it in 2002. Just enjoy this moment. They have a chance to clinch the NFC South on Sunday, which is something they haven't done in over 10 years. So, yeah. uh, just, just enjoy it at all costs. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, we have to wait and see what happens. But regardless of the outcome of the rest of this season, this is already the title defense for Tampa Bay. It's tough to win two Super Bowls in a row. Can they pull it off? Hell, if I know, we just have to wait until the playoffs to find that out. But when it's all said and done, when Tom Brady officially retires, whether it be as a buck or, you know, a one-day contract with the Patriots, which seems a little likely, when it's all said and done, when, when this team has come and gone, when Bruce Arians is no longer the head coach in Tampa, this team in particular, the Bruce Arians, Tom Brady, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, it'll be looked back fondly in Bucks history. It will be that team. Like, you remember how, for the longest time, Brooks, Sapp, Rondé, Barber, all of these guys on the defense, John Lynch, you know, the Tampa, too, Monty Kiffin, you know, Tony Dungy, and then, of course, John Gruden, you know, these conversations, the way, the regard of how high we held that football team for so long until they were able to actually win the Super Bowl again you know, when it's all said and done, this is going to be looked at as one of the greatest, if not the greatest, Bucks teams of all time. So, yeah, folks, as we get ready for the most hectic part of the year, 
It's the playoff push. You just got to win out to get the one seed. That's what you want to do. But let's look at how far we've come, right? Who would have thought three years ago we'd be talking about the Buccaneers tied for the first, uh, for you know, for the, um, I'm sorry, tied in the hunt for the best first record. seed in the NFC and then tied yeah. for the best record in the NFL at 10 and three. Like it's just, it's important to remember where you come from. But as we look at some of the improvements this team has made, there is a unit I wanted to talk about and just give them as much credit as we possibly can, man. Let's start with this offensive line. A couple of players we can talk about, some athletic guys who have stood out lately, but I think this offensive line as a whole has become the standard of what an NFL offensive line should be. Now, this is just my humble opinion. Everybody has their opinions, but I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offensive line has become almost the backbone of this team on the offensive side of the ball because you have all the flashy things. You have Tom Brady who's putting together an MVP campaign. You have the wide receivers who are freakishly athletic. Even without Antonio Brown, it is a luxury of playmakers out there on the offensive side of the ball. Hall of Fame caliber tight end in Rob Gronkowski. But this offensive line, man. Their ability to protect Tom Brady over the last two seasons, I think, is what has made them so special. And, you know, some next-gen stats for you here. I pulled this one out of my, uh, you know, my little journal here. But last week, heading into the game against Buffalo, Tom Brady came into that game averaging two and a half seconds from the snap to the throw. Third fastest in the league and the fastest for him in his career since they actually started tracking that stuff in 2016. Now, this doesn't have anything to do with how Tom Brady can throw the ball fast, which certainly helps this offensive line. But aside from that, there have been several plays where he's got to hang on to the ball for three seconds, four seconds, which for a quarterback in the NFL is an eternity, right? I mean, if your average snap to throw is three and a half, four seconds, chances are your offensive line isn't that good and you're fighting for your life or, you know, you're just playing an awesome defense. But when Tom has to hold the ball for three, four, five seconds, this offensive line just continues to eat. I mean, right tackle Tristan Wirth, second year in the NFL. He's playing like an eight-year all-pro. Donovan Smith is having the best season of his career. You know, Ryan Jensen did have the hiccup first snap of the game. He was able to come over that. The interior offensive line, Ali Marpet still playing at a very high level. I'm excited about what Alex Kappa brings to the table, but I also feel just as good about Aaron Stinney because we know that contract with Kappa's coming up, but This offensive line as a whole, as a whole, when you look at what they were in 2018, 2019, we used to have a quarterback who had to evade pressure because our offensive line was so bad. And now these guys are doing such a great job at making Tom's job easier for him. He has time to throw when he needs it. Certainly helps that he gets the ball out fast. But this O-line, I think, over the course of the last three or four seasons is one of the most improved aspects of this team. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're all good. I just want to really quick say, you know, the offensive line, really, it's it started with, uh, I, I'm going to credit Jason Light to how he built it, uh, because it's not like he went out and continually, you know, just threw money at the biggest offensive lineman out there. Sure, there are the J.R. Sweezy's, there are the Anthony Collins, um, but then, you know, Ryan Jensen. Ryan Jensen was a huge hit. That's the only free agent that, that's on that offensive line. The rest of those guys were drafted, homegrown talent, and that, that's how you build a, a proper football team, right? And we've all been saying it for years. You know, the thing is you don't win a championship through free agency. You can't do that. I, I get it. Um, but, I mean, Donovan Smith, 
Tristan Wirfs, Ali Marpet, Alex Kappa, especially finding the guys like Alex Kappa and Ali Marpet, two guys who didn't come from the biggest schools, weren't the the most athletic, you know, weren't going to pop out at you uh, at, at the combine, but he saw something in them and it's worked out tremendously. I mean, I, Alex Kappa uh, is probably the weak link on that offensive line, and he is a good offensive guard in this league. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, Ali Marpet, I think, is a a top three or four uh, guard in the league, I think. And Tristan Wirfs is, you know, I I hate to – the last year I didn't want it. Everybody was saying, Oh, he's already a top five tackle. And I was like, he's a rookie. But I mean, this year he's just, he's picking up right where he left off. And that there's, I, I think there's no doubt that he's a top five right tackle. It's, it, it's incredible. Yes, it, it does help that, that Brady does get the ball out quick, obviously, but even in their running lanes that you're seeing that, that they're starting to, to open up for Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones, you're starting to see these things and it's a great development. Yeah. Um, I'm, going to follow that up and just say, you know, props to Jason light for what he's done. I mean, I was, I was pissed when, you know, they blew up the offensive line they had when Lovey Smith came in and just like started over from scratch. When Jason light got a hold of this, the cupboard was bare. So this is all Jason lights doing building this offensive line up to what it is right now. And uh, you know, I, I give him credit. I give him props, but like you said, I do want to mention that Tom Brady, the decision maker, being able to break down a defense and know what to do, uh, it, it plays a huge part in that because you look at the previous quarterback and how long he held onto the ball. Uh, it it puts so much stress on an offensive line that just didn't need to happen. But we saw the resurgence of a Donovan Smith, who there were times where I wanted to launch his ass into the sun. But what we've seen from him, uh, I would not ask for, a, you can't ask for a better run blocker. I don't know why they just don't run the ball behind him just all the time, but you know, you have to kind of mix it up, but uh, just to kind of get back to what I was saying, this offensive line is incredible. What they've done. Shout out to Jason light. I think Tom Brady plays a part in this. Uh, the offensive line coach for, for the bucks is uh, doing an incredible job as well. So, you know, just collectively uh, in, in concert, they've all done an amazing job. And uh, you know, you, you see that uh, pro football focus, uh, Donovan Smith is what uh rank number. I think they're East 10th, uh, you know, uh, left tackles. Uh, Tristan Wirfs is fourth. Um, Alex Kappa 19th. Ali Marpet is fifth. I mean, you, you've got a good lineup here. I mean, I'm, it's, it's exciting to see this because I've been complaining about the offensive line for years. So it's awesome to see this and see where they are. And everybody's working as a whole unit on that offensive side of the ball. Yeah, and I mean, if you guys want a taste of the next-level athleticism that I think we have seen displayed from this offensive line, the game tape from Sunday's win over Buffalo is a perfect place to do it. The 47-yard touchdown by Leonard Fournette is probably just one of the cleanest run-blocking plays we have seen from this offensive line all season. Everybody played their role to perfection. The tackles rolled out. Donovan Smith is running in space and absolutely flattens Jordan Poyer. I could watch that on repeat all day long. But, yeah, it's incredible the development these guys have had. And really quickly, as we talk about improvement over the course of the season, I wanted to take a look at the other side of the football, and this is actually going to lead into our first mailbag question of the day. But, you know, before we talk about this front four and what Todd Bowles is able to throw at opposing quarterbacks – I want to talk about one guy, one of our linebackers, the outside linebacker, Shaquille Barrett. 
I'll tell you, man, 58's ability to get after the quarterback this season has become a big factor on this pass rush once again. Seemed like it took him a few games to get warmed up, but I have noticed he has had some massive improvement as the season goes on. I forget the right tackle's name for Buffalo, but he was giving him hell all afternoon. And I mean, you know, 58's just found a way to get his nose back into the play. And I mean, I think we can also credit Todd Bowles here. I'll tell you a big reason they were able to get after Josh Allen the way that they did was just pressures, different looks up front that people haven't exactly seen before. And it's crazy to think that we're 14 weeks in and the Bucs are still running new defensive fronts to, you know, try and confuse all of these offensive lines and send different guys after the quarterback. Uh, the first sack of the game, who was the first person there? It wasn't any of the D linemen. It was Andrew Adams who came untouched off of the edge because the offensive line got so confused at the front that was looking at him because it was, God, the Bucs were pushing a five-man front. It was like, I think it was one line. I'd have to watch the play again, but I think it was like a five-man front, one linebacker, and basically you had Andrew Adams sitting on the edge, and if you're a right tackle or a tight end, you don't really know what that guy's going to do, right? Is he going to drop back into the coverage? Are they running zone? Is he going to man up on somebody? Nope. He's going to come screaming unblocked off of the edge and try and get after your quarterback. Now, would have helped if he got there, but it also helps when you guys, uh, when you have guys like Devin White and Shaq Barrett able to run him down from behind and clean that play up. But, you know, I'd, I'd say just the ability that this pass rush has shown me these past couple of weeks generating consistent pressure on these quarterbacks has definitely been an improvement because – the first three or four games, I think we were asking ourselves on this show every single week, once a week, we're like, where is the pass rush? It, it really seems like a lot of these quarterbacks just have way too much time. And, uh, you know, that's something I think they've done a really good job of fixing these past few weeks. And with Todd Bowles pulling new things out of his hat all the time, it, it makes me believe that he's got some stuff we haven't seen before ready to go for the playoffs. And that, that's a pretty good feeling. I think it really started with uh, the Colts game uh, as far as, especially as far as Shaq Barrett's play uh, is concerned. It, it felt like, you know, Shaq Barrett was very quiet. Uh, the laws versus Washington. He, he didn't he, like some people didn't even know if he played. I mean, he was just completely invisible. Um, and then he, he goes out and has a decent game against the giants, but then he really comes alive against the Colts and possibly saves that game for them because the Colts were driving down to start the second half when Shaq Barrett had the strip sack. So um, really, you know, the, the start of his hot streak here came against Indy and then it continued against Atlanta. I thought they played well, obviously five sacks against the Falcons, um, who's a bad offensive line, but then you're facing the bills who, their offensive line isn't great. It's definitely a weakness of theirs, but it's also not like a bottom five unit, I don't believe, uh, and especially a guy like Josh Allen who's able to break out of sacks and stuff and avoid some pressures. Um, it was important to, to get there, and, and they did in the first half. Now, I did say in the, in the first half because in the second half, you know, it's tough when a team is, is trying to really run, right? And and the Bills were trying to do that a lot more in the second half because the Bucks gave them the looks to do it. So when you're doing that, it, it's going to render your pass rushers not as effective. But as far as Jack Barrett in the first half goes, yeah, I mean, he was he was darn near unblockable. And um, he, he's been really good, and they're going to need him to be good the rest of the season in the playoffs. This is this is what they paid him for, right? This is exactly the type of player that you paid him to be. And, uh, yeah, you're going to need him to step up. Uh, to me, I'm, I'm a huge, huge Shaq Barrett fan. Uh, just watching him play away from the ball, away from where the, the play is. Uh, just his play has been instrumental in the Bucs uh, getting defensive stops, uh, getting turnovers, 
you know, you may not always see him in, on camera, but Shaq Barrett is working. And, and the one thing that I will say, you know, if you go back and, and look at all 22 and you look at a look away from where the ball is and where, you know, what he's doing, uh, defensive coordinators have to game plan, game plan for him. And uh, I, I don't think he gets enough credit, you know, that he should, uh, because you're not seeing it in a stat box or it's not something tangible you can look at. But when you're, you know, sacks are sexy. Um, yeah, and we can all admit to that. But when you're looking at pressures, when you're looking at uh, forcing somebody to double team you and you're taking resources away from a, a, another part of position on the line to take care of Shaq Barrett, I think he's more than, you know, done what, he, what he's needing to do throughout the season. It may not show up on the stat box, but he's continuously working. So I, I mean, all I have to do is look back to 2018 or look back to 2017 and look at that line and look at what we have now. We are blessed to have Shaq Barrett on this team. Do you guys, uh, I mean, I know you both, both of you guys remember, but any of our people listening might get a kick out of this and sorry to interrupt you, Gene, but oh no, no, you're good. You know, you look at this line from 2017, from 2018. Do you guys remember when like Will Golston was supposed to be our big developmental outside pass rusher? Yep. Will Golston, a guy who has found a second wind being an interior lineman in this new defense for Todd Bowles. Like that's just another testament, I think, of, of how far this team has come in a lot of different areas. Absolutely. Yeah, the, the, the 2017 pass rush, that was that was the worst one. I, I think that <laughs> was because, because that and then that offseason is when uh, Jason uh, Light acquired Jason Pierre Paul and drafted Vita Vea. But as far as 2017, I think their leading sacker at like week 11 was Will Clark. I think he was their leading sacker. Um, it was, it was brutal. I think they ended up with like 22 sacks or something that entire season. Uh, yeah. just, just awful. And you're, you're a hundred percent right, Gene. It's just a night and day difference. And uh, guys like Shaq Barrett, Vita Vea, Jason Vera, Paul, yeah. uh, Will Golston. And then, you know, when you mix in a guy like Todd Bowles and the, the fronts he's able to make up as far as blitzing goes and getting a guy like Devin White and using those guys to their strengths, it is it is night and day, uh, you know, to, to what it used to be. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and just kind of finishing up what I was saying, yeah, sacks are sexy. You can see them on the stat box and you see what, what strip sack or, you know, whatever you see that. But when you're seeing somebody putting pressure and it's putting pressure on that offensive line and they're forced to move resources to take care of something, he's doing his job, in my, in my opinion. I mean, you may, again, you may not see it in the numbers, but those intangibles do make a big difference. And I can't think of anybody else that I would, would want to have on that line right now, you know, other than, you know, a Shaq Barrett. Yeah, and shout out really quickly in the live chat, all of our people checking in. The AJ Show says, what's up? Of course, Gene, buck what you heard in there as well. Mary Atkinson, Jacko Bluntly, our buddy Tony Baloney. So let's go ahead and get to our first mailbag question here. It has to do with this defense and defensive coordinator Todd Bowles. Listen, I know the past 15 minutes we have been singing this guy's praises about what he's able to bring to this defense, especially this pass rush and the way they've evolved over the years, but... We do have one question from resident Tony Baloney, and he has that nickname for a reason. Maybe this question here will, uh, you know, we'll, we'll put this one in the evidence folder. But <laughs> regardless, we appreciate Tony for sending this question. Is he asks us this: Is Todd Bowles overrated? Outside of the playoff run last year, his seems uh, his schemes seem to get figured out and torn to shreds on a pretty regular basis. He has given up some big leads since 2019 as well. Now, I will say, as far as the big leads thing, 
football situational. You know what I mean? Like when you look at Buffalo, the Bucks giving up a 24 to three lead. Are we going to blame that mostly on the defense because those guys were gassed? Or are we going to look at the offense who only put up three points in the second half? You know, I think a big lead given up is going to factor into a lot of different things outside of your defensive coordinator. But uh, Evan, I'll toss this one over to you first, my friend, as we get ready for the playoffs. I talked about Todd Bowles potentially still having some things in his bag, but you know, let's go ahead and get Tony's question out of the way. Is Todd Bowles overrated? Does he does he deserve the credit we've been giving him for the past 15 minutes? Yes, he does, because they don't win the Super Bowl if he's not a defensive <laughs> coordinator. So he put together a masterful game plan, and I understand that Tony acknowledges the playoff run. I get it, right? He acknowledges it in the question. But, um, yeah, I just... You know, I, I do partially agree that if the Bucks defense is not getting pressure, a lot of the times they sort of put their corners on some islands and in some tough situations. Um, and if they're not getting pressure, they can be exposed a little bit. Sometimes they do play a little bit too much zone. Uh, the biggest gripe and really one of the only gripes I have with Todd Bowles is his tendency to drop the Dominican Sue, Vita Vea, Shaq Barrett, like those guys in the coverage occasionally, which actually, as far as I've noticed, at least he hasn't done as much the past four or five games. Uh, he hasn't really done it. And what do you know? The defense has actually played pretty decent. So <laughs> it, real quick, as much as people might not like it, it has given us some great moments. I mean, JPP, two interceptions in two weeks last year. 12-year yeah. defensive oh. tackle Steve McClendon get his first career interception this season. Uh, that, that doesn't exactly. happen without dropping those big guys back into coverage. Well, Steve Steve McClendon wasn't in coverage. That was Daniel just, Jones he was, just he sucks. Was just there. Yeah, Daniel Jones <laughs> gifted that to him. Yeah. yeah you so. got those space eaters out there, you know? That's what they got to do. Exactly. Uh, if, I, if I could jump in here real quick, I, I want to say that execution really needs to be right. considered when we're, we're talking about Todd Bowles. That has to factor in to your – opinion of him how are the players executing what Todd Bowles is wanting him to do I'm going to start there but going back to Todd Bowles I got two words for you Mike Smith that's all I've got to say about about Todd Bowles and how good he is night and day night and day and and I can I can tell you right now and and I will die on this hill this guy he he should be a head coach I mean just looking at how he plays and that's a hot take. Maybe that's that Facebook hot take that you guys, we all talk about here. But I, I love Todd Bowles. I, I love what he does. And when he when he draws up a play, when he dials up a blitz, how are they executing? Are the players, I mean, the, the coach, the, the, the defensive coordinator can't go out there and play the play. He can what? he can dial it up. What do you mean? Sure, guys, sure he can. This is a guy with college experience, yeah. right? Him and B.A. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> so all, all I'm saying is, guys, when you're looking at this, when you're being critical of Todd Bowles, look at how these players are executing what he's putting out there. I mean, if you look at it and, and you look at the play and, yeah, it could work versus what's going on, or is it the players aren't executing like what they should be, and this is why there's a, a problem with this defense. I think that's something we really need to consider. I mean, all I have to do is go back and look at Julio Jones and Julio Jones said it. I just kept doing the same thing over and over again until, you know, and, and they weren't able to stop me. That's an indictment on your defensive coordinator. Whereas here you're looking at guys and I, and I've looked at times where Joe, and I love Joe Tryon and just for the record, JTS, one of my favorite players, but there have been some times where he's taken some bad angles that, that he should have had a sack or, 
he should have wrapped up or he should have tackled low instead of tackling high, but he's a rookie. Didn't play all 2020. I'm not blaming him. I'm just saying it is what it is. And this is what we're looking at. So before you can sit here and rain down hatred or, or blame on a defensive coordinator, you got to look at what the defensive coordinator is calling and then look at how the players are executing the play. Yeah, 100%. I, I think it's a really, really good point and something not a lot of people take into account. You know, looking at the the Bills, for example, just getting back into the game the way that they did, I, I think of that that rushing touchdown for Josh Allen. You know, Joe Tryon misses <laughs> a tackle on that. That's huge. That was a poor angle. That was a poor yeah. angle that he took. It's huge. I mean, there are several instances. We talked about Andrew Adams. I thought he had a pretty strong game. I thought this was one of his better games since, you know, that three-pick performance against Cam Newton in the Carolinas, which hopefully he can replicate here in a couple of weeks. Because he's back. All right. But, you know, there's just certain instances where you look at this game and say, oh, the tackling could have been better. They could have wrapped up better there. And just like you said, Gene, you know, you can't put that on the coordinator. He can only control so much. Can Todd Bowles throw a helmet on and get back out there? Probably. I mean, him and Bruce Arians could do it. Is it wise? Probably. I don't know. Bruce Arians has an Achilles injury. Yeah, hey, I, I it, listen, he's not on the scooter anymore, though. I, I think that recovery, I don't know what uh, – I don't know what they're He's on the TB12 method, man. Hey, you know what? I'm about to get on that myself. Man. All right. It's all about the pliability. <laughs> I think I'm really thinking about it. Yeah. yeah. Our buddy, uh, our buddy James did it for how long did he do it? Do you know, Evan? Like two weeks, I think. He, he did he did it for he did it for a week. Oh, a week. I how did it work out for him? It. He was miserable, he said. He <laughs> well, he said he said he actually did actually like feel better. He said just be prepared to go to the bathroom a lot because you are drinking an obscene amount of water. Okay. And he said that the the food options are, at, at you'll you'll get used to it. He says, but at first you're like, this sucks. <laughs> really? Hey, uh, yeah, real real quick, real quick. Tony, uh, I guess he, Tony is saying if the Bucks players aren't executing a blitz, stop calling it. Uh, I'm going to disagree with that. I, I I think that's back. The onus is on the Bucks to uh, take advantage of what they have there. You've got Vita Vea. You've got Indomitian Sue. You've got JPP, uh, Joe Tryon. You've got uh, Levante David. You've got a very quality defense, and they should be able to do more than what they're doing. Again, maybe maybe the uh, offensive line is winning that battle. All I can say is this. They're just not executing, and I've seen plays where they haven't, and nobody's talked about this. I mean, you can say what you want to about Todd Bowles. He's trusting his defense to go out and do what he's executing, asking them to do. And they're not executing at times. So, uh, again, it, it is what it is. But at the end of the day, the Bucks have three losses. All right, so whatever you're saying, I, I get what you're saying. The Bucks have three losses. And they really should have two, maybe one. But two at the most, two losses. And, you know, they're going to get it together. I really believe they're going to get it together. I'm enjoying the ride. So, Tony, put the top down. Get you a soda. Enjoy the ride, man, because the Bucks are doing good. Have 10 wins, double-digit wins. We haven't been able to say that for a long time, but here we are. Enjoy it. With with four games left in the season, the Bucks with have an four opportunity. four games left. With four games left, the Bucks have an opportunity to match their total win total from just a year ago. So, like, let, let's keep that in mind, right? I mean, last year, 2020, when we were doing coverage of that season, and they were approaching seven wins on the season, that was such a huge deal because we're barely halfway through the season and look, they've already they've already eclipsed their win total from the year before. Like, I, I think progress is is obviously something that um, 
hindsight's always twenty twenty, and and after the years go by, you can look back and you can you can clearly look at improvement. But you know, week to week, when you're looking at things like that, I think there's so many factors that go into it, and you know, just a great point, like you said there, Gene. But let's go ahead and get to our next mailbag question here, and this has to do a little bit with maybe some of the holes in that defense we had talked about. Uh, a couple of minutes ago of Todd Bowles, maybe some other areas this team could improve. But as we are in the final stretch of the regular season, just four games left. This is a playoff push for Tampa Bay, uh, 10 and three right now, four games left on the schedule, hoping to get that one seed, get the home field advantage for the playoffs. This team still undefeated inside Raymond James stadium, which should hopefully be rocking this Sunday night as they are getting ready to host division rival New Orleans with a chance to clinch the division. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers actually hosting a red out. So if you haven't heard, if you're going to that game or plan to go to that game, make sure you wear your red because uh, that's what the Bucs would want you to do. And if you don't have anything red, that's cool. You show up to the game. They're giving out red T-shirts for free this week. So if you I are assume, a uh, – yeah, go ahead. I assume there's red end zones. I don't think that's been announced, but I assume there's going to be red end zones. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, we haven't seen it yet this year. It's it. It took us the entire season to actually see the Bucks wear red at home, right? And I mean, we got to see it against the Giants. We got to see it against Buffalo. It was red on white, but I think, if memory serves right, they will be wearing the red and pewter this week. Yeah, they, for yep. is it the second I'm, time? I'm good. This year? I'm good with that. Yep, yep. Second time this year, both against the Saints. Yeah, I'm good with that. Yeah. I think uh, the more games in the red and pewter you get, the better. Listen, I I said it last week. Um, the red and the white is low-key, like, my favorite combination just because it gives me nostalgia. Like, I'm, uh, not a lot of people like it. You know, the helmet and the pants don't match. It looks a little weird. But I remember watching 2008 to 2012. Every time the Bucks were wearing red at home, they always had those white pants on. So it just kind of became yeah. something I grew used to. But uh, let's go ahead and get to our next question here. This comes from our buddy Real Talk Sports Pod on Instagram. His question is this. What is the Buccaneers' biggest weakness headed into the playoffs? And this is actually the name of today's episode, so sorry we didn't get to the topic sooner, but we had a bunch of other great Bucks talk we had to get out of the way first. But Gene, I want to get your thoughts on this one first. We talked about so far what the Bucks have been able to do well, but let's peel this thing back a little further and look at maybe stuff they're not able to do that well. When it comes to playoffs, uh, what do you think could hurt this team for the 2020 for the 2021 season? It's been consistency, whether it's on defense, whether it's on offense. Uh, I don't know what it is uh, when you have a quality offense like the Bucks have. They should be able to move the chains. Uh, they shouldn't get a three and out three and outs should not be in our vocabulary. I understand there are some times that it is, but that fourth quarter, the fourth quarter, um, actually the second half of that Buffalo game, they should have kept that Buffalo defense on the field a little bit longer than what they did. There was a game against the Washington football team, WTF. And I'm telling you, they should have been able to get, you know, Washington off the field. Just th those types of things. It's just, they just, they have this talent, but they haven't been able to consistently, consistently, consistently do what they need to do. So it's just what it is. And, and I hope that at some point, everything comes together. We haven't had that game like the L.A. Rams game or that game like the Atlanta Falcons game last year where everything came together and they just started rolling, steamrolling everybody else. But that's what you want. You want this team to get it 
uh, you know, and, and I wouldn't have a problem if they lost a game where if it woke them up to where they know that they have to win these games, they have to play more consistent. They have to do what they need to do. And I'm hoping that that at some point that that's what happens. I think if, I think if we're looking at games this season and I'll, I'll toss it to you here, Evan, in a second, but you know, looking at games that serve as a wake up call for this team, hopefully it was the Washington game because I, I don't have the schedule in front of me. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but they haven't lost a game since then. Right. Correct. Yeah. Correct. I mean, so hopefully that's the turning point for this team because the storyline after that was, you know, Bruce Arians coming out and saying, well, these guys had a great week of practice. They thought they could go in there and win this one. So hopefully they do understand that at this point, you know, they could be the one seed if they weren't so lazadaisical. And, or, uh, yeah, I think I said that word mm-hmm. correctly. I, I know big words. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, know but one if, or two. yeah, but if they weren't so uh, lethargic on the road that week against Washington, they could very well have already secured the NFC South. But have real, the real, first quick, real quick, I want to throw this in here because we, yeah. we got to talk irony. The Bucks are undefeated at home and right. they're struggling on the road. Last year, it was just like the it was like the polar opposite last year. So I, you know, my my hope, my hope and prayer is that everything runs through Tampa. I would love to see that. And and that would be the best scenario for Tampa. But but anyway, go back to what you were saying. I do apologize. I just wanted to throw that out there that um, you know, it's just like flip-flop from last year. Oh, yeah. No, it's a great point. I mean, if I could tack on to it as well, Bruce Arian said in his press conference today. You know, they definitely notice how important that is when it comes to securing home field advantage for the playoffs. This time of year, you want to be playing as home as much as you can, because let's face it, you know, while the Bucks did have the most difficult path to the Super Bowl in 2020, it was the COVID season. It was, you know, 9000 mm-hmm. people in the NFC championship game with a bunch of cardboard, uh, you know, a bunch of cardboard flaps. If you go up to if you go up to Lambeau in January this year, it's going to be seventy thousand people packed into that stadium, standing room only, screaming their asses off. So hopefully, if the Bucks can secure home field advantage, a bunch of these season ticket holders don't sell their tickets to uh, the away teams in the lower bowl. But you know, having a full stadium full of people real, that and, and real quick to that yeah, point, yeah, yeah, well, let's they're, let's, they're, let's let's take a minute, let's talk about this because I I knew this these, was going to come. All these up. guys, all these guys are home teams. All these teams. New Orleans. New Orleans has had the Bucks number for God who knows how know how long. Green Bay. Uh just these teams that the Bucks faced in the playoffs, they couldn't get it done. They, the onus was on them. The the er, actually everything was working in their favor. If you're if you're the home team, that works in your favor. But the Tampa Bay Buccaneers overcame that. And do what they needed to do. So I think that needs to be uh, taken into consideration as well. Yeah, I wanted. Uh, so Red, I heard you about the the Bills fans and stuff in the bowl. And Probably. here's the here's the thing. Like here, <laughs> I don't. I I I just don't. I yeah. I I don't care. Right. Like it just it, it doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> but here, so I understand the frustrations when you look on TV. And you see, you know, it's supposed to be red, but you see blue, right? Like, I get it. However, Florida 
it, it is what it is. Like you're in the state. state. It is. It is Florida. I mean, let, it's let's a transient not, state. Yeah. 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 It's just it, it's always gonna like you look at a Miami game, you look at a Jacksonville game, and then you know when you go out to California, you look at Chargers games. Like you look at even even Raiders games. Like there was a I remember the Raiders played the Bears earlier this year in, in Vegas, and there was a ton of Bears fans there. So it just it, it happens in some states and some areas. Transient and, state. Yeah, and just you know, with some fan bases also. Well, you know, I, you're not going to see as many Texans fans at a Bucks home game. You know, when the Texans are in town versus when the Bills or the Giants or the Cowboys, when those teams are in town, yeah, they're going to travel well. And yeah. to counter to counter that side of the argument, you know, let's face it, I of all people, we should be grateful that the Bucks actually have a packed house again. Right? Do you remember the uh, the solid, I don't know how many years in a row, where you couldn't watch a single Bucks game on TV in the city of Tampa because they couldn't sell enough tickets? So, you know, games were blacked out for two, three years at a time. And maybe if they got a primetime game, you'd be able to watch it. But, like, you know, for the longest time. I we cried real about, tears. For the longest time, we just talked about the inability to pack that stadium. And, and now it is packed. A on- Super Bowl will do that. Yeah, a Super Bowl will definitely do that. But I mean, even before then, you know, signing Tom Brady will do that. Yeah, and if, if, if there's you know, one thing that move did for the Glazers, what put, was put buck, uh, butts in seats, and it, we've seen that in full effect. Even if they are getting sold to other fans, it's it still is a full stadium, which is very yeah. good to have. I I just want to throw this out here because I remember, you know, in the '90s and early 2000s when the Bucks were rolling, and you could not you could not get a ticket mm-hmm. to Ray J. There was no way you're getting in there, but it, it just, it shocked me because third quarter, Oh, the bucks are winning. We're going to go home. We know they're going to win that kind of thing. And, you know, uh, again, it goes back to what you were saying about the bucks being, uh, or Tampa being a transient city, uh, the, you know, Florida being a transient state. Uh, that's kind of what you run into. And, you know, it, you know, back to your point, I mean, just if the bucks are winning, you've got a full stadium. People want to see the defending Super Bowl champions, whether it's them winning or whether it's you're going out hoping to see uh, Tom Brady lose. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it, it's great. Either way, it's just good to see that. Um, and I'm not of the class to disrespect people that are selling their tickets. If you sell your tickets, you do. I'm not going to count anybody's money. Uh, we're, we're living in a crazy society right now where people are struggling. Some people you know, may have bills to pay. It's Christmas. Hey, if I can, if I can hit a lick on a, a, a bills fan and have them pay 1400 bucks for two tickets. Hey, I'm uh, What can I do? You know, what, what can you not do? Yeah, I mean, you know it's, it's very fair. You know, not only is it, is it really not my place or anybody's place to judge the situation that somebody else is in, but you know, the fact of the matter is the market price for Bucks tickets is what it is. I might need to get a sugar mama or two the next time I plan to see the Bucks in Raymond James Stadium. But, you know, people got to do what they got to do. And listen, like you Just said, get over to New Tampa, my friend. Uh, yeah. If you, if you, well, I've heard, I saw it on the internet. I, I can't tell you from personal experience. I've just heard yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. But listen, if you can, if you can make back your initial investment and then some, like, and you can even pay for your season tickets for next year just yep. off of one game. Yep, mm-hmm. it, yep, yep. I, I mean, so, you know, as much as we can sit here and, and, and be grumps about it, the fact of the matter is people are doing what they need to do, and it's it's really not my place to judge it. I'm just, 
you know, I'm just a home team guy. I'm just, I'm that guy. I'm, so. I'm right there with you, man. I'm an ex season ticket holder. I, I totally get it. Yeah. Well, and, and look, like, I still believe that stadium was probably 70 30 in favor of Bucks fans, still. Like, just because you saw it wasn't like in the past, it used to be 50 50. Like, it used to be ridiculous uh, right. when the Giants or, or the Eagles or the Cowboys I, or I, I even went the to Dolphins that, would come to town. I went to that Monday night football game against Pittsburgh in 2018. And to this day, that's the worst ratio of terrible towels to red yeah, computer sure. I've ever seen. I had sure. to take a shower after that game. <laughs> Oh man, I, we we had we had the best seats in the house. I'll never forget it. Deshaun Jackson it seems like one of the only useful things he did in Tampa was that that punt return touchdown. Something that so many people had waited for. We finally saw him line up as a returner, takes it to the crib. I don't even remember the penalty who it was on, but it came back, did not count, and they could not replicate it. And I cried that, real tears. Yeah, man, that would have kept them in the game. That was that was a fun one, but. <laughs> Again, you know, the Steelers are just like a team that you mentioned, just like the Bills, just like maybe the Eagles, right? Like when no, they not, not 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 maybe the Eagles. No. <laughs> when, they when travel they, well. When they come to your town, they're gonna represent. You're gonna know they're there. And in this case, with it being Buffalo, there's gonna be some broken tables left behind afterwards. Yeah. So yeah, you know, the, the, it, the, ma- is... the mafia is, is gonna show up in full force. Yeah, yeah. and the mafia has been in witness protection this this week. Just FYI, I'm just yeah, <laughs> hey, Rico uh, Act or whatever. The, the mafia has been in. They've been quiet this yeah. week. Witness protection. Well, the way some of them have been acting, they should go back to daycare. So yeah, basically. Hey, well, let's uh, let's go ahead and start to wrap this thing up, Evan. I wanted to get your two cents on the question that we had earlier. You know, what do you think is the Bucks' biggest weakness heading into the playoffs? And as we look at this final quarter of the season, uh, what's most imperative that they improve? Yeah, you know, I, I don't really have um, – when you look at the roster, there isn't a, a key, oh, they need this, right? Oh, they, they need an offensive lineman. They need this. Um, you know, I think the, the biggest weakness is going to be the consistency, just like Gene said, and the, the being able to execute. Like these are fantastic football players that are having trouble executing at big moments. Tom Brady missed Rob Gronkowski and Chris Godwin on two wide open throws that would have kept drives alive versus the bills and would have also ran time off the clock. Like Probably. That, that can't happen in the playoffs. I mean, if the Bucks got a single touchdown in that second half, I think they could have finished the game. Granted, they, the they, they would have, yeah, it, it would have yeah. been done. It, it would have put the um, game away, you know? And like, you know, the the fourth down after the the Bills faked the punt didn't get it and the Bucks go for it on fourth down which I agree with the decision to go for it on fourth down I like the aggressiveness but they got to execute better um it's just it's all about execution those types of mistakes cannot happen in the playoffs or else you're going home it's not a seven game series it's one and done you get one shot at this and you know Tom Brady has really uh spoken about that a lot like especially this year like there is no do-overs like it, it, it's one it, it is one and done you get one shot to make a play and if you don't do it oh well like nobody's gonna feel sorry for you so uh they need to start executing a little bit better they've been doing a great job of it recently so you just need to do it on a more consistent basis i think yeah i got one more topic i wanted to touch on and this one's this one's near and dear to my heart because it involves a personal friend of the podcast but People have been talking about it. It has become a no, narrative. We're not so, doing this. We're not doing this. Uh, yeah, we are. We are. So we are doing this. So uh, <laughs> what are we doing? so Bradley Pinion, the people's champion, good friend of the Cannon Fire podcast. We've had him on a few times, got to talk to him, get his take on the 2020 season and uh, everything in between. 
So the Bucks brought in an extra punter yesterday and when asked about it today ba kind of dismissed it he said listen you look at the rest of the league right now with covid just taking out teams i mean the packers and the rams just got done playing in the covid bowl on monday night football um you know he said it's it's a contingency thing it's you know god forbid we lose anybody on our special teams we have another guy who's good to go uh do you buy that no. yes because bradley opinion showed up on the injury report today he did so. I actually did not know that, but uh, I I guess the storyline that I was going to take from that is a lot of people have talked about the people's Ah. per champ, uh, people's (laughs) champ, particularly underperforming these past couple of weeks. His average punt distance, I think, is like not that good, but I I think context also matters there. Your punt distance doesn't have to be great if you're getting touchbacks every single time or if you're pinning these guys inside the 20. Um, But it was a really strong start for Bradley Pinion this season, and it seems like he kind of fell off. And this is, uh, I don't know about a throwaway question, but come on, we're closing the show with punter talk. So, so you know I, how I cannot is. believe I, I can't wait until we have Bradley Pinion on the show for the third consecutive year to review this season. I'm going to bring this up. <laughs> no, you're... we're going to talk about his so-called his so-called struggles here. Um, no, but I mean, yeah, it's he does need to be a little bit better. I mean, you saw the Bills punter. The Bills punter made some plays. He, he was right? putting like, on a clinic. Like, he was putting in you know, work. Like some, some actual plays, and Bradley Opinion does need to step up a little bit there. Yeah, sure. Yeah, well, I don't know. I think he was playing this. This was his Super Bowl as far as the, the Bills pinner. Yeah, punter. yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think there's any more than that. He was hyped up for this game, just what it is. Um, I don't know. Uh, Bradley Pinion has not put Tampa in a, in a bad situation, a, you know, a lot uh, consistently. I don't know. I just think he it needs- also hurts that their kickoff coverage is just awful. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah true. I, I mean, we can talk about the punting categories <laughs> yeah, all we want. Exactly. But... Cause you, you kind of have to factor in the whole special team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It has to be mm-hmm. collective kind of like you, you can't, you can't smash a, a quarterback for what he's doing. You have to kind of look at the whole offense. So right uh, when you're, when you're like looking at that, but yeah, that's uh, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm, I'm, I think Bradley Pena will be fine. Um, maybe I'm wrong, but I think he'll be fine. I think that, you know, you, you have to wrap up and tackle. Uh, if you can, if you can touch them right where they are, uh, you can change a play from, you know, the 15 yard line to the 30 yard line. I mean, the big difference, it's a huge difference. So being able to execute execution has been the theme throughout this wonderful show today. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the Bucks just really, you know, it, it needs to be a factor. I mean, you can't look at just the, the uh, offensive coordinator. You can't look at just the defensive coordinator. You look at how this play was called. Was it executed to where it would work? And you, you had to factor in so much more than just, it's more than just basic, oh, the offensive coordinator sucks or the defensive coordinator sucks. And, they should have called this play or whatever. And it needs to be execution. And like you said, execution is key. And I would love to see more of that. I think we need to see more consistency, uh, you know, as the season progresses. We need to see market improvement on all these games moving forward. There just has to be more improvement every time they, the Bucks hit the field. Yeah, and we've, uh, you know, to kind of close things out, we have talked about over the course of the season, when you look at this Bucks roster on paper, it is safe to say that this this is a team in the NFL who has the ability to just out talent certain teams like, you know, any given Sunday in the NFL is a big deal. If you show up to your game and you don't give a damn, you're going to lose. But, right. mm-hmm. you know, the Bucks are still in a position where they don't have to be perfect because they have so many playmakers on both sides of the ball. But 
don't after, have to be perfect right now. Right. But when you start playing these be better time. teams, yeah. and, and we said this all year, you know, we were we were counting down the days to the Bills game, looking at, you know, when they beat the Falcons the first time and they left points on the field, but they also just put up 48 points. You know, you're going to be mad that they didn't get those touchdowns because when you're playing a team like the Bills or even when the playoffs come around, uh, you have to execute. You have to find consistency. Yeah. You have to just go out there and do your thing. And I think for the Bucks doing their thing is playing the brand of football they have become known for. You're the Super Bowl champs. Go out there and play like it. And I think that's yep. really all there is to be said. But ladies and yeah. gentlemen. So real real quick, yeah, real yeah, quick. Yeah. I have to acknowledge Tony in the chat one more time. Uh, he says Brady didn't miss Godwin. Godwin was held on a long incompletion. I'm not talking about that one. Uh, yeah, he was held. There should have been a call, which, you know, I guess, you know, only Bills fans can complain about the refs. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm not talking about that one. It was a third and seven. I, I pulled up the the thing. It was a third and seven on the Tampa 38, and Brady missed Godwin. He was wide open right in the middle of the field, sort of ran right in the zone, and Brady just missed him. Uh, would have extended the drive. And at the time, I believe it was 24 to 10 was still a score. So would have extended the drive there and had the – Tampa hold the ball for a little bit longer. Um, but yeah, that, that was the one I was talking about. I wasn't talking about the, the long, the longer ball there. Yeah. Well, as the regular season winds down all of these stories to, uh, you know, just pay close attention to, especially with the playoffs coming up as quickly as they are for Tampa Bay. They just got to keep winning, man. As I mentioned at the start of the show, four games left on the season. Three of those are division games should be winnable. Hopefully they can clinch the NFC South Sunday night in their home uh, stadium. If, if if Green Bay loses one game with with Eric, we haven't talked to you guys since uh, Arizona lost. So it, it, here's the situation. If, if Green Bay loses one game and the Bucks win all four, the Bucks are the one seat. So uh, that's ultimately the goal there. Yeah, 100%. So just a lot of things to monitor as we get to the most exciting time of the year, December football. And uh, what a breath of fresh air as the Buccaneers continue to play meaningful December football for the second year in a row as they look to defend their Super Bowl title. But, uh, of course, just plenty of good stuff as we wrap up the regular season. But with all of that being said, ladies and gentlemen, that's just about going to do it for this week's midweek mailbag edition of the Cannon Fire podcast. want to give a huge thanks to our guy Gene from Buck What You Heard for hanging out with us. It has been very long overdue. But, uh, Gene, where can the people find you and your content? Yeah, you can reach me at Buck What You Heard. Uh, on on YouTube, especially uh, it, hit me up, give me a like, subscribe. Um, I'm really trying to do a whole lot more with YouTube. Uh, hit me up on Twitter. Uh, you follow me. I'll follow you back at Buck What You Heard. I, I follow everybody back. I love talking football or just random stuff. It just yeah, depends. Man. Oh, yeah. Gene's a great follow on Twitter. I've been following you since the super heavyweight days. I yeah, mean, <laughs> just great Buccaneers you know, and, content. And, and, uh, you know, you may catch me talking about wrestling. You just you never know. So I'm by me. Yeah, all right. <laughs> there we go, man. Follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. Best place to go for updates on the show. And of course, Buccaneer News as it happens. Speaking of Bucks News as it happens, you can follow my co-host Evan on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily, the number one Buccaneers fan page on Instagram, rapidly approaching 30,000 followers. You can also it find happens. him on Twitter at Evan NFL. Last but not least, you can find myself instagram and twitter excuse me it was the uh, bud light sneaking out there instagram and twitter at reticus r-h-e-t-t-a-k-u-s if you follow me i will follow you back i so, like yeah. that 
I yeah. like it. There you go. It's I, important. I, I, hate those, I really hate those assholes. Excuse me. Sorry, man. Nah, you're good. You're the good. People, nah, the you're people all good. That, the people that have one follow, they, they only follow one person. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, the uh, the Evans of the internet is, I think, who you're... Uh, I'll way more than one person. I, 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 plugged, I plugged this guy's Twitter at the end of every single episode, and I don't know if anybody in our live chat follows him on Twitter. I don't know if they, they got to follow back. Uh, it's not, it's not wow. like people are eager. Evan, is it really like that, man? No, it, it is. Listen, it, it, me and this guy did a podcast together for three years before I got a follow back. Oh my goodness! Wow. No, to the be truth fair, comes out. To be fair, Rhett, Rhett was not active on Twitter. Then all of a sudden, one day, he decides to be this active Bucks fan on Twitter, and all of a sudden, all I'm right. the bad guy for not following an account who hadn't tweeted in like three years. I, I got sucked in. I think that's the Twitter process, right? Everybody, everybody usually makes a Twitter, tries to use it for a week, and they're like. Like, man, I don't know how to use this. That's exactly what I did. And then put put it down for a year and a half and then pick it up. And and now they've sucked me in. I can't get enough. But there you go. Follow us all on social media, ladies and gentlemen. That's the show this week. Thanks once again to my friend Gene from Buck What You Heard for joining the show. Check out his channel on YouTube, his podcast, of course. And uh, follow him on Twitter at Buck What You Heard. We will talk to you guys later this week with our game preview show, the biggest division game of the season for Tampa Bay, a chance to clinch the NFC South title in front of their home fans, and they get to do it against that smelly-ass team from New Orleans. It should be a good one. We'll talk yeah, to Cam you. Yeah, Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, man. We'll talk to you guys later this week with more great Bucks content. Thanks for checking out this episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast, brought to you by our guys over at betonline.ag. I am your host, as always, Rhett Matthew, signing off for my co-host, Evan Wanish, and our very special guest, Gene. We'll talk to you guys later on this week. Until then, and as always, go Bucks! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 